One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello and welcome to another Out of Spec podcast. I am joined by with Brian from My Tesla Week and of course my colleague Jordan. And we wanted to get a high level overview of pretty much every major Tesla manufacturing facility and to figure out what they build and where because we keep hearing about Austin, Giga Berlin, Fremont, uh, the Reno situation. And I have no real full understanding as to which products are coming out of which factory. And so that's why we have my Tesla weekend here to help us figure it all out. So we're, I guess we're going to run through them one by one. Thanks for joining. Yeah, great. Glad to, glad to be here. It's a lot of fun. So the first factory, why don't we go chronologically? The oldest one technically I think would be Buffalo, which is the place where they build the solar panels and uh, superchargers for uh, originally the superchargers for the whole world, but now it's mostly for the Western hemisphere. And What's, uh, yeah, so mostly to me, this is still a prototyping facility because the solar panels they make are fiddly and cumbersome and difficult to work with. They're beautiful. Uh, they're expensive. Um, it, it's, I'm still waiting for that factory to get up to speed, as it were, and I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Interesting. So those solar panels that you're talking about, are those the physical panels that go on the roof or the tiles that act as your roof structure? The tiles. They're the physical, the the pretty shingles. And, and the functional ones come out of Buffalo and the non-functional ones that you put around the edges for trim are imported from, I, I believe, China because they're just glass. Got it. Yeah, interesting. So that's pretty pretty interesting. And are they building version two superchargers or version threes? I don't even think they're building version twos much anymore. I, I believe you're right. They're building the latest and greatest all the time. And uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, the next factory would be the Fremont factory, which was originally a NUMI plant, which was a joint venture between Toyota and uh, GM. And that at the time was a world-class cutting edge latest and greatest kind of factory. But if you look at it, it's a mess. Uh, when it was built, it was the, the 
pinnacle of efficiency. And now it's kind of outdated and outmoded, but a lot of the older manufacturers still build this way. So in this facility, you've got Model 3, Model Y, Model S, and Model X. And to an extent, some of the prototyping for new stuff is done here, though a lot of it is done off-site as well. There and is, what's, yeah. kind of, what's kind of interesting about being around Fremont, this is the one I have most experience with, have been inside and everything like that, is just the pace at which things are happening. Uh, and it may have been just the days that I've been there, but it's just like, wham, cars moving around, stuff flying, conveyor belts going, end of line checks, get them out, move the thing along. It's high energy. And um, what's crazy is really the loudest things in there are the impact wrenches. Not much else makes much noise down the back huh. Factory. I thought it was surprisingly quiet, actually. A lot of fans and things like that. But but what's wild is like they have a whole bunch of Tesla service vehicles driving around. They're like ratty old Model Xs that clearly didn't make it off the line properly. <laughs> and so they're like missing trim, but they have they're like all the security cars. It's amazing uh being around there because you get all the early stuff. And what's cool is there's an actual public supercharger right up front next to the factory. You can drive all the way up, back in, plug in, and you're right in the middle of the hubbub. I was watching prototypes come off of trailers with the new Model S taillights like four years ago. Three years ago, I saw the new Model S taillights just coming off a trailer right in front of us. It was wild. Fremont is a cool place to go and visit if you're a Tesla fan. Is there is there a place for people like if you go there in charge? Is there a place for you to like go see like a visitor center or something? Is that a thing? Yeah, so, they have a showroom in a little coffee area there. Yeah, they had it. the The way I heard it was <clears throat> there. There appears to be a gift shop that has not yet been reopened since the shutdown. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, could be. It was before COVID last time I was there, but they have like a sales location. At least they did where you could go in, order your car, a delivery center for factory delivery. All of those things were right there, which is cool. And they also, at least at the time, and you'll have to tell us now, but when I was there, they were building a Chinese spec model S and X with the weird charging flap on the side of them that had the uh, Chinese GB port on it, which didn't fit in the taillight port. It was pretty interesting. <laughs> wow. They they definitely are still making the SNX for the Chinese market in Fremont, but I don't know if they've started with the refresh deliveries yet. I have not heard about that. Right. Yeah, this was way before refresh was a thing, so it's very possible they're not doing that now. And a question, chronologically speaking, because we started with Buffalo, but at least on Tesla's side, Buffalo is considered Gigafactory 2, and so... For our viewers, how do you explain that Fremont's not like? You know? <laughs> so Solar City was acquired by Tesla. Solar City is a company that Te- uh, Elon was on the board of, and his brother Kimball, uh, and they acquired it because they were leaning so heavily on them during the Model Three ramp that they were that they needed to steal all the talent to get them in to get production hell uh, solved. And so it just made more sense. You know, we're already buying mega chargers from them. We're going to be buying solar panels from them. Let's just buy the whole company. So they inherited this in the acquisition. Yeah. Makes sense. Nice. So the next factory would be, I guess, Giga Nevada, which was uh, the, a joint venture announced between Panasonic and uh, Tesla Uh, where they were going to build this ginormous factory that could make 25 gigawatt hours a year of batteries. And what they found along the way was you could build a factory a third of that size and make more batteries. So that is a big, beautiful idea. It's, I'd say it's maybe a quarter of that size and it's producing even more than the original spec. So in this facility, they make 
just batteries originally. And the side closest to us is the Panasonic side and the side farthest from us there is the Tesla side where they also make um, motors for the uh, models three and Y and the battery packs. They take the packs from the other side, assemble them into battery packs, which are then trucked over the couple hours to Fremont to be put in cars. So in this, this, sorry, go ahead, Jordan. I was going to say in this rendering for our, for our audio listeners, we have visuals as well. So check us out on YouTube, shameless plug. Um, but we see a huge solar roof, solar covered roof and wind kind of farm in the back. If the entire roof of a factory this size is covered in solar, how much energy are they actually able to use from that? Or are they having to tap into the grid as well? They're definitely tapping into the grid, even if just at night. But a factory like this is, is drawing enormous power. If you look at an Ikea, they can put enough solar panels on the roof to cover the whole thing because really all they have is lighting and HVAC. Where right. a factory, you've got these heavy, heavy, this heavy equipment. So I don't know about this one, but I know in Texas, I did the math and found that when they finish putting solar panels on the roof, it will cover something like 17% of the total factory draw. Wow. So these are wow. these are these are thirsty thirsty factories. And so you mentioned they build three and Y motors. Yes. First question is, do they build every three and Y motor there, or do they have other production for that as well? So for North America, it's definitely every three and Y motor. For the other factories, I don't know. In Berlin, there is a Motorworks building. I know they've started building their own model uh, motors there, but I think they're only up to like a hundred a week or something, or maybe it's a hundred a day. I think it's a hundred, but it's still below, below what they need. And in Shanghai, I don't know, but I would assume that they make their own motors there as well. Okay. And then for the second question is they're building model three and Y battery packs there. Um, that's, pretty why wouldn't they assemble those closer to fremont instead of having to truck them a few hours like for example i was just at um and i'm not saying this is the gold standard but i was just at the mercedes tuscaloosa factory where they're building eqs suv and some other electric vehicles to come they put a battery assembly factory literally like two miles down the road and they just go boop, 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 back and forth this seems like a really long distance to transport heavy battery packs but maybe that is the best what's your opinion I think they're out of floor space in Fremont and that this is floor space intensive. Got and, it. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think um, in terms of the shipping, you're going to run into uh, the hitting the maximum weight on the truck before you're going to run into hitting the maximum volume. So if the battery cells are made in Nevada, it's this, you know, the, your limit is, is weight, not volume. So yeah, it's not like you sense. could pack more in there. Right. No, pretty cool. So the next factory is Berlin, uh, sorry, is, uh, is uh, Shanghai. And this was interesting because they took what they learned in Fremont and uh, converted it into uh, a new philosophy. So the first phase, which is the, the, the shorter half of the building, it's, is where the Model 3 uh, was originally made for the Chinese market. And then they quickly expanded more than doubling the square footage of the site to include Model Y production. And what they did is they took all the efficiency lessons and they basically took everything and put it in a straight line for the Model 3 because a straight line is more efficient than a mess of, of buildings cobbled together. And for the Model Y part of it, they took that lesson and made it vertical. So a lot of the parts end up 
in a attic full of robots being shuttled around. So when they paint all the vehicles, instead of leaving, you know, instead of switching paint constantly, they might run a thousand cars in white, 5,000 cars and put the bodies up in the attic and let them cure. Cause the longer they cure, the harder the paint gets, the better it is. And then the robots just pull them down as needed to put them on the line and make them. And so that's cool. Yeah. That's really and, cool. And so the efficiency gain you get is, well, how much do you actually say? What are you saying? 500 bucks a car? Is that worth anything? Well, their run rate's a million cars. So that's $500 million a year. That's and do you know million, that to be $500 yeah. a car? Is that like a number no. they've said? Because that nope. seems extreme. Okay. No. Yeah. Well, um, is it because of how So let's, okay, let's say $100 a car. That's still a yeah. billion dollars over 10 years for a factory that only costs two, three billion to build. Yeah. That's just yeah. the savings. So that's a, a valuable lesson learned, and that's how they're moving forward. And so Giga Shanghai really was, I think, the first example of Tesla just showing the world how fast they are. I think this really showed the rest of the automakers and really outside of the auto industry as well. Like, holy smokes, everything has been going at a snail's pace in comparison to Tesla. And this extends across many different operating you know, working environments in the company, but the way that they built this factory in a year, was it a yeah, year and a bit? It, like, it was, it was no, it, it was, it was a year and a little less than a bit because they had trial production on month 11 and customer deliveries officially on uh, at the end of month 12. Wow. That's I think, insane. I think my house took nine months. So that's. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, they used a lot of parts that were made in Fremont at launch. It was something like 90% of parts were non-localized, but within six months they had it up to 80% localized. So wow. it, it, it was, it was, it was China fast. And now Shanghai really operates standalone. Tesla China, in fact, actually operates a little bit standalone as well from the rest of Tesla. Is that true? I mean, they have a communications department. They yeah. have different looking superchargers. It just seems to have a different vibe over there than what we have. Yes, they, they have a PR department. What's that about? <laughs> but they have, because <clears throat> Tesla famously in, in the North American market is not. And for that matter, Berlin has a PR department, but they... Yeah, they do. And they try to, if you look at their marketing material, which you can find on YouTube, you will see that they're trying to make it sound like Tesla is a Chinese company. We innovated this. We inno we innovated the, the giga casting for the rear assembly. Well, I mean, we being Tesla, but they, that's not how they make it sound. And near the Shanghai factory is a supercharger factory that makes all the superchargers for definitely China, but probably all of Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. And they have tremendous capacity and you've seen the charger network in China expand very quickly as a result. Wow. And which cars come, sorry, Jordan, which cars that come out of Shanghai, where are they just for China market or are they going to Australia, Japan? Are they going anywhere else? So Shanghai is currently the export hub for Tesla, for the world, for everything except three uh, S and X. Everything except SNX. So these are exported to uh, Australia, New Zealand. The, uh, even with uh, Berlin coming online, Models 3 are still exclusively from China. And Model Y is still largely from China. And these are exported to most of the world, to any country that uh, doesn't despise China. 
So the Singapore models three and Y have to come out of Fremont. Is it and Singapore? Then, maybe in mm. Taiwan, maybe. Yeah. And those superchargers made in China. I mean, so for those who don't know, you know, in, in North America, we have the Tesla connector. In Europe, Tesla uses the CCS connector. And then in China, they use the GBT one, right? So it's yes, not even correct. the yep. same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's a simple just cord change. The communication... Yeah pretty similar i mean that's that's not a huge huge deal to, to manufacture differently the the boxes themselves are all pretty much adaptable yeah and then i guess uh, i'm curious if you know like the extent to which china the shanghai factory had to adjust with covid given that some of their lockdowns are a lot more intense than ours do you know how much that affected their actual production tremendously the yeah it was it was the, the first one wasn't too bad and they were able to get back to a working system where <laughs> the, the lockdown had been maybe a month long and they mm -hmm. went to the workers and said, we have a lottery you can sign up for if you'd like to come and be in the factory more or less semi-permanently. And everybody signed up for it because I don't know about you, but I went stir crazy sitting at home. <laughs> and so they're getting extra pay. They're getting all their meals and, you know, and they're, and they're getting a paycheck. Uh, the second shutdown was worse because there were they 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 were boy it was it was just worse but it hopefully is over ish <laughs> so we shall see on that yeah gradually ramping up i guess i mean japan fully opens tomorrow like a lot of the lockdowns were much more recent over there than we've experienced over here but well yeah, the, the sinovac was not a useful vaccine on the Delta variant. So, and they didn't want to import any of the Western ones that were effective, but I believe they have a new one that is effective against Delta. So hopefully that will prevent a massive problem in the future. Yeah. So that's Shanghai. What's next? That's Shanghai. Berlin. <laughs> Berlin is, uh, it took the lessons from the, from Shanghai and grew on it. So what they've done there is they've added, uh, again, it's a it's a vertical kind of operation where with, they're using multiple floors. Um, and so robots in the rafters. What they've added here is a couple things is uh, batteries are being manufactured on site. Not yet, but the building is going to be done around December, January. So they will be building their own batteries on site. And the other thing they've switched to is uh, in Shanghai, they instead of having massive warehouses everywhere, they just used every receiving dock, every loading bay as the as the warehouse and just kept they just keep it full all the time. And Berlin, being a larger footprint, uh, doesn't work as well with that. So they've switched to more of a warehouse on wheels philosophy where it's just it's just like that, except they don't put them on the building and they can either empty the trailer when it's out there or just bring the trailer up when it's time. But the entire warehouse is trailers in a lot nearby, just at, on site. Yeah. We've actually been over to this factory before we did some snooping around uh, really interesting location. It's right off of a de-restricted section of Autobahn. So you can rip if you need to, which is kind of fun. And overall, really uh, I would say wildly cool factory, the Germans in general, you either get those that are, deeply rooted in the automotive industry and they hate Tesla. A lot of them do. A lot of, I would say the majority 
really respect Tesla and are like, holy smokes, like we need to get our butt in gear or we're going to get left behind because the speed at which this company operates is crazy. And then you get others that are on the other extreme, which is just, we love Tesla. Some Germans go crazy for Tesla. I know uh, fans that are working at Giga Berlin just so they could work for Tesla at their factory. And they were just hugely passionate about it. So Germans in general have a lot of passion for things. Tesla seems to be uh, one love or hate, but it's really interesting that they're there. But I've heard some recent news that regulation, fire breaking out, things like Tesla might be backing off a little bit in Germany. Have you heard this as well? No, the environment, the environmentalists have been there since the beginning uh, and they're not very, uh, numerous, they're not very popular, and they're not very convincing. These are people who uh, have a problem with how much water Tesla is using. And Tesla keeps refining and refining their water usage in Berlin to the point where it's now down to something like, oh, 500 gallons of water to build a car. And you compare that with a pair of jeans, which is like a thousand gallons of water. So you have a problem with this, but not with this. The nearby coal plant uses kajillions of gallons. Shut that down and the whole area's got water for a thousand years. But they're not attacking that. They're atta so it's not convincing. The fire, uh, it was a pile of cardboard in the recycling area. That's not a real concern. Great. I agree. Have a hearing. Let's, let's make sure it's not a concern. But let's not go crazy. And Tesla has applied for permits to expand Berlin. So that's definitely happening. Uh, the big thing in Berlin with their efficiency is about six months ago, eight months ago, Herbert Deese had an all hands on deck meeting where he said, we know that Tesla is making their cars in Berlin in something like three and a half hours door to door from, from parts to out the door, three and a half hours. Our EV plant in Zwickau is doing something like 14 hours. We have to catch them. And then Tesla took Berlin offline for a week, retooled, and came out with higher capacity. It's that's, crazy. that's been the that's been the top. <clears throat> in Germany. Uh, you know, we I have a lot of friends that are German automotive engineers. I'm fascinated by it. I'm really worried about the German automotive industry. Perhaps we'll do a whole podcast on this at some point. I think, uh, yeah, not great, but insane <laughs> speed here, and it's just blowing everyone away. And so it's that's, just yeah. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just say it's it's cool that they're you know when we me and Kyle went through Berlin it was like oh this is a kind of an artsy town and the factory itself just has graffiti all over it and it's like <laughs> it's all intentional and cool I don't know it was, it was fascinating to see Berlin after I had just seen Giga Texas which is we'll get to that in a minute but wildly different yeah yeah and Berlin is a even even by German standards it's a different kind of town. But it's, yeah, I don't really like it personally. I'm much more Bavaria. Put me down in Munich. I'm happy. I'm not a Berlin guy, but I get why people like it. Yeah. So let's talk about Texas. So in Texas, they're making so far just the Model Y. Uh, Texas was originally going to be built in three phases, uh, but then they had a $5 billion fundraising round followed by a another $5 billion fundraising round. So they changed the plan. We're building the whole thing at once. And we believe the original plan was to start with the Cybertruck. Uh, but, the, um, but the demand for the Model Y really caught them off guard. They knew it was going to be big. They knew it was going to be their biggest. They thought maybe, maybe someday it could be the biggest in the world. But my gosh, the, the demand has blown them out of the water. Even with the prices going up and up and up, it still has a backlog. And so uh, they switched to making the Model Y. 
The Cybertruck will be made at this facility, and it's possible that other models could be made here as well, but we don't have any confirmation on that. Uh, the big difference in Texas, uh, well, I guess one big difference is it is big. It's like 9 million square feet. It is the largest single factory, is the largest single factory building in the world. It is a top 10-ish in terms of total square footage of any building. And they're probably expanding onto the south end of it in the coming months, making it even bigger still because that's what you need. So uh, uh, some big differences here. Um, this is going to have uh, the, the Cybertruck production which is a whole new thing that's never been done before at scale. And it'll be an interesting challenge. Uh, Sandy Monroe from Monroe and Associates believes there is no engineering challenge. The engineering is solved. They just have to build it. I said, well, is it, are there big problems to solve or is it just engineers? No, it's, it's all easy stuff. They just have to do it. And we now know the 9,000 ton press used to, uh, form the whole front end in a single piece and the whole back end in a single piece uh, arrived in Houston recently and will be, they'll begin assembly shortly. And so that's the big difference in Texas. That's really cool. And they're also another difference, I guess, is they're extending into the surrounding area. So they call it Giga Texas, but also Terra Texas because they're trying to expand some of the area along the waterfront and make it almost like a place people can go hang out, which is very uncouth as far as how factories are typically run, uh, which is interesting. But it, it was cool to see in person just how insanely huge this piece of concrete is, more or less. I mean, it's like over a mile long and three quarters of a mile wide. Like, it's it's ridiculous. They have to account for the curvature of the earth, of course. <laughs> when, I, when I was doing my live stream from out front at Cyber Rodeo, there were people in my chat saying, you're missing the fireworks, look up. And I said, my friend, you have no idea how far away the fireworks are. Across from the factory. Uh, here's the Scott. You can see we are a mile from the. Yeah. If you'd like That's me to start insane. jogging now, I will still miss the end of it. <laughs> I've never been by it, but uh, I've just heard the impact on the area has been massive uh, in many positive ways and a lot of negative ways from people from there. They hate the traffic and all the construction stuff, but it's kind of a little bit outside Austin is my understanding. Uh, right. So it shouldn't impact it too much, but I do know Austin is going to become the next and it probably already is, you know, LA or San Francisco in terms of prices. I mean, just skyrocketing through the roof. Housing is of main concern. Did Tesla do anything to help with bringing people there? Cause they, they said they were going to move their headquarters to Texas. Did this happen? How are they handling their people? <laughs> so the headquarters is there on paper. Uh, what does that mean? It doesn't mean all their operations moved. I assume most of their operations are still where they always were. There are offices in the factory, and that's a big difference in philosophy between Tesla and a lot of uh, other companies. If you look at GM, they their executives work in an ivory tower uh, that is far, miles and miles and miles, from a whole city away from the nearest factory. And Tesla executives have cubicles that they look out onto the factory floor. They are all, and some of the, you know, high department managers are, they literally have a standing station on the production line. So it, it's a whole different philosophy. And yeah, the sheer scale of it is 
because you see it in the pictures and it's, oh, it's a building. It's just a building. And then you zoom in and you find a person and you're like, that's pretty. And then when you see it in person, you realize you could fit the world's largest cruise ship across it sideways and 17 wide or I don't remember 30 wide. I did the math once somebody asked me to, but yeah, the largest cruise ships in the world would fit inside of it sideways. It's huge. And I guess to, to touch back on the whole solar thing again, you know, the roof is being covered in solar panels, but this time with the exception of a negative created in the Tesla logo, I wonder how much power they're sacrificing by not having solar panels in the logo of te Tesla. <laughs> so someone asked me about this and I said, I look at it the other way around. Sure, they could get more juice if they filled it in. But in other factories Tesla runs, they don't cover the entire the roof anyway. This is if they're going to cover everything except the word Tesla, it's going to still be the more solar than they have on every other factory combined. And then you've got and, and the reason they're putting the logo there and the reason it faces west is because Austin Bergstrom Airport is right behind the look is right behind you. So everyone flying in and out, if you're on the correct side of the plane, night or day, will be able to see Tesla logo in thousand foot tall letters. That's crazy. How cool <laughs> is that? So freaking awesome. I mean, I just love the Tesla way, which is, okay, they built some pretty damn good products. I'm an independent car reviewer, and I say that all the time. I recommend them often. I own two of them. And not only can they design, build, and engineer really damn good products, they are working on just building them in mass quantities. And it's just mind-blowing to me. Yeah. And we're running a bit long, but I'll tell you, there's one last factory we should mention, which is the Megapack factory in Lathrop, California, which uh, groundbreaking was only earlier this year, I think, but it's already done because half the building was already there. They just had to add on to it. And that's where they manufacture the grid sized batteries uh, used to uh, offset uh, power surges and power dips to keep the grid running. We've also seen them use these on the back of semi-trucks with superchargers attached around them, which is cool. There's just so much need for stationary storage, maybe not necessarily battery storage, but so many things. We just need to smooth out our grid as our you know consumption goes up. There's so many different tactics we can use, and batteries are perfect for frequency control and instant response. Yeah. And uh, the one they put in in South Australia, it was a $100 million project, and they said – uh, hundred days or it's free. And of course they got it done in time because that's a lot of money and it paid for itself in something like six months or a year. And they've since Crazy. expanded it because yeah. it's just so good at its job. Yeah, that's really insane. And so there's some other smaller little factories around, right? The Like the Cato Road uh, yeah. 4680 factory, things like that. But we discussed most of the major ones yeah. and I've certainly learned quite a bit. So if you had to choose which is the one you think is going to be the most influential to Tesla for years to come, which so, would it be? So over the next couple of years, it's going to be Shanghai because it's so ramped and so dialed in, but they're out of land. So after that, I'm going to say Texas is going to just destroy it. It's going to be amazing because it's so big. It's got so much land. They can bring so much more vertical integration to the site. They've already got a cathode manufacturing plant that they're constructing now to bring even more of the battery production in-house. And it's just Texas is where it's at. And I do want to say, I am so glad that you gave me an opportunity to talk about this because this is, this is my jam, baby. 
<laughs> oh, it's been wonderful. I've learned a ton. Totally eye-opening. I mean, from our side, it's it's a little bit difficult because we cover every single brand, of course, right. and everything. So that's why it's really great to have you as a resource who can dive in and be the knowledgeable expert on Tesla production. And so, yeah, can't thank you enough for taking the time to joining our show. Yeah, you so, bet. Yeah, I feel like if we if we learn one thing, it's Tesla's always trying to learn from what they've done for better or for worse. And we, we I don't know if we mentioned it, but Fremont had the tent and like they had the, to build a tent in the parking lot to help with the crazy Model 3 ramp up. It's and now still there. Yeah, it's still and there. It permanent. And, they, and they've <laughs> added more of them. It's a sprung structure, Marie. It's a campground. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again, Brian, for joining the show. And yeah, everyone leave comments down below if you have any questions about other Tesla facilities or really anything, because um, we're looking to cover way more topics as time goes on. There's infinite knowledge to be shared and learned. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.